I I did these practices. So mm-hmm. I um, really self-examined my value system. I really self-examined the principles by which I wanted to live my life. I really examined the way I was spending my time and who I was spending that with and the circle of friends I had and the, the way um, I wanted to live my life on a daily basis to track up to something bigger. And I, as Kobe Bryant said, I would like, I edited my life. I, mm-hmm. I tried to get rid of everything that didn't serve me, my goals or my values or principles. And it's exhausting. It's like, you're yeah. flipping your life upside down and everything is with so much intention and nothing changes. It's mm-hmm. the exact same seven months from when you started. And you're like, well, what am I doing? Like, this makes no sense. I did that methodically for three years. And when it was happening, I didn't even realize the changes that were happening in my life. And then I stepped away from it for two or three more years. And it wasn't until very, very recently, like a few months ago, that I was like, you know what? Those were the most transformative years of my life. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. As always, I am here with Mr. Ben Bergeron. How are you, sir? I'm doing very, very well, Mr. Patrick Cummings. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Today we are going to talk about something. Um, I, I've I've labeled it excellence fatigue. Uh, it's something that actually everyone, you know, folks send us really good questions, and as best I can, I try to keep an eye out for similarities between questions, or, you know, thematic things that maybe multiple people are asking in different ways. And that's what that's where this idea came from. And and the 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 general gist is a question like. You know, I listen to Chasing Excellence. I listen to Jocko Willink and Tim Ferriss, and I read seven hour, you know, seven habits of blah blah blah. And I do this and I do that, and I find myself struggling because I I'm I can't live up to the ideals that these sorts of again books, podcasts, people, influences. I don't. I feel like I'm consistently failing at best practices, at the habits, right? Right? Like mm-hmm. I've read Atomic Habits, still can't like. And just this idea of like, how do like for you, how do we start to take all these sources in, learn from them, get the most out of them, but not, but, but don't, but, but not end up beating ourselves up for being human, for not living up to these highest ideals. And so that's kind of what I just wanted to pitch to you as somebody yeah. who I know, um, looks at, uh, certainly the, the pursuit of excellence, but, but has read all the books, has talked to all the people, has done all the thing, all the things. How do you navigate the the ideal versus the reality? And and assuming that there is some gap, maybe it's a small gap, but there is some gap between those two things. Yeah. Um I certainly have not talked to all the people or read all the books, but I'll give my perspective <laughs> from where I am in my life right now. That's the best I can do. Um and it's a great conversation. I love it. There's a there's a lot of things as you as you're saying that it's like, oh my gosh. Um I um, in real time, trying to figure out how to um, structure the conversation because there's yeah. so much. It's I don't really know the right place to start. I guess is what I'm saying. Other than you're not supposed to be awesome at this. Mm. Like there's 
this big differentiation between pursuing betterment and pursuing perfection. Mm-hmm. We are not pursuing perfection. And if you hold yourself to that ideal, you're going to consistently, I will consistently come up short. And I struggled with this for a few years, which it was like, I'm I'm trying to read this. I'm trying to have these meetings. I'm trying to have a mentorship group. I'm trying to meditate and journal in the morning. I'm trying to live a life um, true to my core values. I'm trying to um, use the principles to guide my actions, decisions, behaviors. I'm trying to check the boxes to make sure that I'm not miss. I'm not um, chasing the bright, shiny objects and I'm keeping my ladders leaned up against the right wall. And what's frustrating is whenever you do anything and don't see returns on your investment, that's incredibly um, demotivating. The the best way to get motivated by something is quick wins, for sure. Mm. You do something, you get an immediate response. I'm moving towards something. This is, it's what creates dopamine. Dopamine is a, is a, it's in place to let you know you're on the pursuit towards your goals. When you are chasing down um, prey and we're cavemen and you get a little bit closer and you realize that that thing is closer to you, you get, I'm making progress. I'm getting closer. Like this is, this is worth the effort. It's really difficult when that's not happening. (laughs) It's even more difficult when you feel like the thing is getting farther away. Like why would you keep chasing it? There's no reason from an evolutionary paleobiological perspective for us to do that. But there's this level of understanding that we probably all could bring into our lives, which is good things do take time. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to see immediate results on a lot of the things which we're pursuing. And whether you use, you mentioned um, James Clear's Atomic Habits, or you use um, the, the, the common analogy, which is the bamboo forest. Like these things take time. James Clear, what he says is, if you're trying to ice, uh, melt an ice cube and you're in a room that is five degrees Fahrenheit, you doing all the effort to warm up that room and you get, it's a lot of work to warm up that room, you know, build a fire, whatever it might be to get that room from five degrees up to 15 degrees. And you look at the ice cube and nothing's happened. Yeah. Nothing has happened. So you keep working, you keep working and you get that room up to 28 nothing happens. 29, nothing happens. 30 degrees, nothing happens. 31 degrees. The ice cube is just sitting there the exact same way it always was. You have put in so much work to get that room from five to 31 degrees, but there's nothing to show for it. It doesn't mean nothing's happening. You have heated up that room massively. And then when you get that one next degree, all of a sudden, magically, it seems, The ice cube starts melting. This is us in this pursuit of excellence. It may take, and for me, um, a little personal perspective on it, I I did these practices. So Mm -hmm. I um, really self-examined my value system. I really self-examined the principles by which I wanted to live my life. I really examined the way I was spending my time and who I was spending that with and the circle of friends I had and the the way um, I wanted to live my life on a daily basis to track up to something bigger. And I, as Kobe Bryant said, I was like, I edited my life. And mm-hmm. I tried to get rid of everything that didn't serve me, my goals or my values or principles. And it's exhausting. It's like you're yeah. flipping your life upside down and everything is with so much intention 
and nothing changes. It's mm-hmm. the exact same seven months from when you started. And you're like, well, what am I doing? Like, this makes no sense. And we were having this conversation before we started rolling, which is I did that methodically for three years. And when it was happening, I didn't even realize the changes that were happening in my life. But this was from, when was that, Patrick, that I did? Because you were with me when I was doing it. Yeah, it would uh, 15, 16, 17, if I had to Great. kind of lump yeah. it. Yep. 15, 16, 17. And then I stepped away from it for two or three more years. And it wasn't until very, very recently, like a few months ago, that I was like, you know what? Those were the most transformative years of my life. Mm. Those are the years I grew more than any other part of my life. It was when I was being so intentional and I was bringing so much perspective and I was so action-oriented in what I was doing on a daily basis. So much so that when that I had that realization of epiphany, I, rever- I reverted back to all of those practices. I am now again, I call it tracking. Mm-hmm. I am tracking my life on a daily basis now, once again. Um, it is something that, you know, the bamboo forest, yep. same analogy, which is there's different types of bamboo. So, but there are certain, there's a certain type of bamboo that you plant it, you tend to it, you water it, you fertilize it, you give it care and attention on a daily basis and nothing happens much more than a little sprouting mm-hmm. for three years. Mm. And you're like, this is so fresh. I'm putting so much work in for this much growth. Why in the world am I spending this time? But if you're committed to that process of tending to your bamboo forest on a daily basis, consistently over time, what ends up happening is it becomes the fastest one of the fastest thing growing things in the in the plant or animal kingdom. It actually can grow an inch and a quarter an hour. You can watch it grow. It can grow 40 feet in a week. It's like this massive growth. But again, it took three years of cultivating this thing without seeing a return on investment. Hard to do. Like yeah. hard to do without getting frustrated. It, it basically, to me... A, a big, big part of this has to be beyond what am I going to get out of it? Mm. It basically has to be like, am I the type of person that wants to live a life this way? Knowing I'm going to fall short of all the perfect ideals. I'm not going to be Jocko Willick. I'm not going to be Mahatma Gandhi. I am not going to be Nelson Mandela. I am not going to be Abraham Lincoln. I'm not going to be Winston Churchill. I am not going to be any of those people. I am going to be my own version, but I'm going to live life intentionally on my own level. And yes, I'll read Ryan Holiday stuff and the Daily Stoic. And yes, I will absorb and I'll try to join like a YPO organization. And yes, I will try to surround myself with people which pull me up, not pull me back down. And I will recognize that I am the... So when I started this process, um, I, I was very aware of that... You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yep. Um, and uh, that that circles changed a lot over that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that to be true. Like, what are the what are the books you're reading? What are the movies you're watching? What are the conversations you're having? Who are the people you surround yourself with? Um, your environment is at least the second, it might be the most 
powerful determinant of what you become. Yeah. The uh, the only other one that would be better that, that I could maybe say is higher is your own personal mindset. Mm-hmm. I think personal mindset can overcome environment, but it's really hard. I mean, even your DNA, which is like supposed to be the blueprint of biology, it's supposed to be like you are a human because of your DNA is expressed because of the environment it is. Mm-hmm. It's not this this strand of DNA doesn't mean it's going to become cancerous or it's going to become bone or it's going to become fat or it's going to become a lipid. It becomes that because of the environment it's exposed to. Yeah. So your environment is so powerful. So what we want to be able to do is take that intention and um, give yourself the room to not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you're not really doing what we're talking about. What you're saying it is that the baseline level is what I said is like set up your environment so it's easier to do this, right? So if you are around a bunch of negative people, if your job is pulling you out of this life that you want to live, if your family, even if your family, the people you're supposed to be the close to in the world are not supporting you in a productive way, you got to cut ties. You got to cut ties. Like this is the only chance you get. And what we want to do is set up your environment as much as you can. And the next one is equally important is your mindset. And it's as simple as fixed or growth. Fixed is the pass fail. Fixed is I'm not meeting the standard. I'm not good enough. I'm failing at this. And that weighs on you so much. And that's why it's so detrimental. The lowest level of fixed mindset is the victim mindset, mm-hmm. which I have no control whatsoever. This is not my fault. I have no, there's, this is, um, I'm, I'm the victim here. That's the worst thing. But even the higher level, which is like, this is just really hard. And, but I'm failing is the, the fixed mindset. It's the pass fail. And we got to try to grow away or pull away. This is the exhausting part. We have to try to pull away from that pass fail mentality into growth, Mm. learning, adaptation, iterations, build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn, make mistakes, come up short, meditate on it, create the space, solitude, introspection, look at yourself. What role do I have to play in this? What can I change to make this better? I can't change it right now. So I'm just going to do the baby steps of what I know. Um, it, And then from there, it doesn't have to also be a 24-7. Mm. You need the R&R. You need to, um, everyone has this on their own ways. You need to, whatever it is, um, watch Seinfeld. Um, read uh, a trashy magazine, um, sleep in on a Saturday, um, like whatever it is that isn't in totally in line with your vision of what excellence is, realize that what we need to do is only be that 85, 90%. We don't need to be 100. If you're 100, um, we're probably not going to hang out because <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like you're, you're the infallible one and there's no such thing. Where, you know, you said something at the start, um, the need for, or certainly it's helpful to have quick wins or some kind of feedback to know that you are moving in the right direction. And I think because I know you and because I was kind of around then, I think that when you're talking about tracking or, or, you know, paying attention to the things you want to pay attention to, one of the reasons that it worked was because you gave yourself some kind, or it gave gave you some kind of feedback, some kind of 
quick win. You could look at the end of the day and say, cool, I'm, I took a step in the right direction. Um, and so I'm curious, do we, do we need to have a thing that we check and we say, okay, we did the thing today in order to get the kind of feedback in order to plant the garden <laughs> that we need to plant so that uh, in, at some you know future future date it, it it sprouts the growth that we hope it does or like what is you know is that what we're that that what we're missing or is there something else in there that that might be worth um, thinking about for some just for some context to what you're talking about because people might be like what the hell are yeah, you talking about checking yeah. boxes and tracking um, what I've done for a long time is I've divided my life up into four or five different core values. And I had some things I was tracking, which I call my principles, um, on a, on a daily basis and making sure that I was just doing those things. Um, there's, there's a double-edged sword to that. So the one thing is like the, you get the dopamine of like, I'm moving towards the, my goals, um, by checking those boxes that only works if you create the connection to these values are going to lead me to the life. If they're if they're meaningless boxes, yeah. then you fall into the trap, which is the worst thing you can do. Because if they're meaningful, you get that dopamine response. Because like, I'm doing the good thing. I'm doing the good thing. This feels good. Yes. Checking the boxes. I called my mom. I had a family dinner. I meditated today. I did yoga. I went for a walk. I did my sauna. I wrote a thank you note when I didn't need to write a thank you note, a thinking of you note, like all those things. Yep. But here's the trap is if you don't truly believe that those things are in line with the vision of the life that you want to create, what you're doing is you're creating busy work. And that's where now it becomes like tedious. And even if you're checking the boxes, there's no dopamine because what the hell? Like, Yep. I checked another box and it's, I'm not getting anywhere. I checked another box and I'm not getting anywhere. I checked another box and I'm not getting anywhere. So there's a double-edged sword there where you have to spend the time. It's why you can't just jump into it. Because if you still have the fixed mindset, you're going to get crushed. Because there's too many things that you're going to mess up along the way. And if you don't take the time to figure out what is in line, truly in line with the vision I have for myself, you're just going to start doing stuff. Now, that can that can work because it can start to you, you start the iteration process, and actions the cure to anxiety. If you're just sitting there like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't I don't know what my values are. I don't know what principles I should be tracking. I don't know what. Then just start moving and start start creating and iterate along the way, and don't be stuck to these things. I've there's a study that um, this is kind of counterintuitive. The organizations, business organizations that change their core values the most frequently have actually have the greatest amount of employee engagement and buy-in. Mm. Isn't that kind of counterintuitive? Absolutely. Like they're changing them. Like where's the consistency? What that means to me is if they're changing them, they've operationalized them. It means something. They're actually running their business based off of these core values. And they're going, wait, this one doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. I think we make this a little bit better. We may tweak this this way a little bit. And it's a living, breathing thing. Much like your purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is not set in stone when you're born. You're, you don't need to find your purpose. Mm -hmm. The purpose is something that you're defining along the way. And it changes and it moves. You're not, forget about trying to find your purpose. Live a life that's going to deliver fulfillment to you. That you're going to be proud of at the end. That's what the thing is all about. 
Yep. If you can put those some defining characteristics to that, all right, then we're starting to we're starting to move along the, the ladder a little bit. But it is hard to go back to your question to um, to say like I need to track to get those small little wins, but that can also bite you back because it happened to me. One of the things I tracked was that what I just mentioned was um, once a week I wanted to write a thinking of you notes. Like not an email, not a text. I wrote a handwritten slow one. And I did that for three or four months. And it's kind of tiring and exhausting. You have to think about who you want to do. You have to lick the envelope, put a stamp on it, write it. And um, and I didn't see any returns on that. Right? No one was like, thanks for the note. Like that's so yeah. powerful. No one was like, hey, great note. Here's a business opportunity we should talk about. <laughs> yeah. It was like, great note. Like, you know. Um, here's, um, now you, you, here's, here's your six pack abs. Like it yeah. doesn't work that way. So, um, I stopped and what I realized was when I stopped, it felt like I didn't have that fulfillment that I had when I was doing it. So what the, the real wins are when the process becomes the win in and of itself. Mm-hmm. You're not waiting for the destination. You enjoy the process so much that it becomes the fulfilling part of it unto itself. You don't need the end goal. This is like anyone that I'd recommend, what, what should you do for your career? Well, what would you do if you didn't have to work? What would you be doing? Go do that. Because whether you become super successful, quote unquote, society's definitions of success or not, you're going to be successful because you're going to be so fulfilled by doing this thing because it's something you love anyway. Yeah. As long as you don't fall into the trap of the entrepreneur, which we, you know, an entrepreneur regret and you end up not doing the thing. This is another conversation. Yeah. You've mentioned a few times uh, the word iterate. Um, and I think in the context of that, that idea of, you know, build, learn, iterate, build, learn, iterate. How do you, how do you recommend people? How do you yourself figure out what that iteration process looks like? Because I think it's the challenge is sometimes we set the goal and, you know, back to what you said about pass fail versus growth, we set the goal and we didn't get it. So we failed versus we set a goal. We didn't get there yet. We did something new. We tried again. We didn't get there yet, right? So, I think that can sometimes be a challenge when we 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 think, okay, we got to set a, we got to set a goal, but then we we put something into place and we don't quite get there, and then that feels like a failure, and then that feels, oh, I got I can't believe I have to do this again. I can't believe I have to try again. I can't believe that didn't work. How do you get? How do you marry those things? How do you get that build, learn, iterate mentality, but do it in such a way that it doesn't feel like try, fail, try, fail, try, fail endlessly until hopefully someday the bamboo garden starts to grow. Goals definitely have their place and they have their purpose. And we've talked about goals on this podcast. The reason goals are powerful is because they create clarity of vision for an end destination for what you are trying to accomplish And then you get the little feel goods as you take steps towards that goal. That's the purpose of a goal. Goals are dangerous though, because they can equally be as detrimental. If you are not getting those little baby steps forward, they might not work out as well. And I'll give a real world example of this. Um, 
last summer I had the conversation with Cole Sager with the athletes I trained for the CrossFit games. And I said, what is the one metric that if you got this, you would be like, I am a machine. I am ready to crush the games. And he said a five, sub 19 minute 5k. Made sense because he had run a couple 5Ks in training around 1925, 1930. Once he set that goal from himself, we went after it. He never ran below a 1950 again that summer. Mm. Because goals can be too daunting. They can weigh on you too much. If we had never talked about that, the way he was um, on a trajectory for he was going to get the sub 19 5k because he would have been able to operate in a flow state every single time he went on and not measure, am I going to hit my goal? Pulling himself out of the present moment mm-hmm. towards a future date. That's the danger with goals is you're always future oriented. Your mind has an incredibly difficult time being in the present moment. Mm-hmm. It's always trying to learn the lessons from the past and predict the future. That's what your mind is in place for. It's here for safety. Your mind is just here for learn from the past, predict the future, be safe. That's what it's all, it's always assessing that. Your body is always in the present. You can only feel, taste, touch, hear what's happening right now. If you can get your mind into the present, you can get into a flow state. And that's where great performance happens. Yep. To me... Goals can be counterintuitive for that reason. Mm-hmm. And you have to set your goals very, very strategically. And the best goals, once you get to a certain level, I get it. If you're 200 pounds, uh, uh, um, let me say, if you're um, 250 pounds and you're a, a five foot one female, like losing 30 pounds might make sense. Like that's mm-hmm. a cool thing to have on your, on your kind of radar. At some point though, I would love for love for that person to get more enamored with the process. Mm -hmm. Less about the goals, more about the process. The goals, ultimately, you really don't have much control over them. They're future-oriented, while the process, you do have control over, and it's present-focused. That's a lot more empowering to me, is have control over something and not fearing something I have no control over. So one of the ways to mitigate this um, pass fail, this whole goal oriented situation is just get more process oriented. And that's what we do with this tracking Mm -hmm. is I'm not saying like, I need to be successful at age in five years. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is in five years, when I look back, what am I going to be really proud of that I did? And I'm putting now my focus on the present Future oriented, but I'm looking back and saying, what should I be doing right now? If my future five years from now self, I don't think it would say, set these goals. I don't think that's what I would say to myself. Mm. If I was to go back to myself five years ago, I wouldn't go, go set these goals. What I would say is, hey, do this on a daily and weekly basis and watch how this spins up into something pretty cool. Yep. What did you... If if you can, you know, go thinking about that, you know, that five that five year ago, Ben, um, or ten years ago, or whatever. What did that individual not understand, maybe about the value of process versus the pursuit of 
goals that you understand better now? Because I think that there, some shift happened for you. I think it happens for a lot of people to to move from that specific pass fail to this bigger idea that we're talking about. Like, what don't yeah. we understand when we're in that pass fail phase? That once you get beyond it, maybe it's age, maybe it's experience, maybe it's wisdom, whatever. You look back and you think, yeah, that that I, it's obvious why that I wasn't happy, I wasn't fulfilled, I didn't go anywhere. Okay. Um, um I I don't know if I'm going to answer your question, okay. but to me, the idea is if we're because the the words that really pulled out of there for me is like uh, fulfillment and happiness and all the rest is. When we create these goals, we have to realize that there's give and takes everywhere. Yep. So if I set the goal to run a um, a sub five minute mile, man, that's going to take a lot of focus, effort, energy, time. That has to pull from somewhere else. So it's this see- seesaw, teeter-totter effect. To me, one of the really powerful ways that we should be doing this, that creates your words, happiness and fulfillment, is set them across the totality of your life. Mm. So know that when you're creating the work goal and the work metrics and the work principles and the work daily, weekly to-dos, we also want to do that with the personal life. Mm -hmm. Because when you do that, that's when these things blend together. And if we're chasing not... So if you're like, no, dude, I'm willing to sacrifice everything to to make $10 million. Okay. Like, okay. Then set all your goals towards that. I'm not because I don't think my five years from now self is going to be very happy that I did that. Mm -hmm. I think the five year from me self is going to go, hey, it's really important. And this is for me. I'll I'll share what they are very specifically. Live, love, learn, um, and love. Live, love, live, learn. These four L's. So what I... so. Live. That's about like my things there are um, right now and they change. Right now it's like do Wim Hof breathing. It's um, meditate. It's um, uh, eat real food. It's those type of things. I have five things for each of these. So I have 20 things that I'm tracking. For uh, love, it's um, my family. It's about my family first type thing. So it's be home by six o'clock every single night and don't do any work. No computer, no phone, no um, text message, no Instagram when you get home. It's family dinner. It's call mom and dad. It's um, contact my wife in the middle of the day um, to check in. It's those type of things. Mm -hmm. So I have these categories I'm checking along the way. Um, And I have those things across all these different aspects. And to me, when you blend them all together, that's when we kind of, it might move slower because we're trying to roll the big stone up the mountain and not just this little one getting to the top and be like, I made it, mm-hmm. but you only got the little stone with you. I want to get to the top of the mountain with the big ass stone <laughs> my whole life. Yep. Um, not saying that this is the right way. It's again, the kind of way we lead off this podcast. It's where I am in my life right now. And this is what I'm chasing. It strikes me, uh, and I don't know that I've thought about it in this context before, but it strikes me that a lot of what we're talking about is the difference between seeing something as an expense or seeing something as an investment. And I think that, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't, I don't want to stretch the metaphor too thin, but I think that we think a lot about 
life as decisions as expenses. What am I? What do I have to give up in order to get the thing I want? Right, a new iPhone, a pair of sneakers. Whereas if we start to, or if we can figure out how to start thinking about our decisions more as investments, that might be closer to this process oriented yeah. thinking, which I, which is what I'm hearing from you. And, I, and obviously I know of you. I think that's the shift that ultimately needs to happen use whatever vernacular you want to, but that's the one that strikes me as useful. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny you say that like the expense versus investment. So I think that at, at some points, um, when I started doing this, it was expensive. Mm-hmm. Like I spent a lot of time doing this. Um, it probably, and what I'm saying is I would love to think that it was an investment, mm-hmm. but it was expensive. Yeah. Um, and I spent a lot of time thinking about it. I spent a lot mm-hmm. of time uh, creating a spreadsheet to track it. I would <laughs> make sure that they were that, like the borders looked good yeah. and the colors were good. And I know. I all, think I helped you with that. <laughs> all of that stuff, right? <laughs> and what I've realized is that's a waste of time. Yeah. Um, so I've tried to get to be less expensive and oh, more bang for my buck. Yeah. And I use James Clear's Atomic Habits Journal now. Right. Cool. Which has this built into it. Yeah. So I don't need to. It's pen and paper. I don't even need to open my computer. I don't need to log in. I don't need to pull away from work. It's just like, for some reason, the pen and paper, it's just so much faster for me to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that those things play off each other. Just because it's an investment, it could be an expensive investment. Mm-hmm. Like you buying a Rolls Royce might be an investment for you. That's a terrible analogy. But <laughs> and, um, uh, buying a piece of property, yep. right? Buying a $10 million piece of property might be a great investment for you yep. with um, a, a hotel on it, right? Great, like big, yep. that's expensive though. Yeah. What is the smallest, what's the least expensive investment you can make? Mm-hmm. And I think that playing those two words off of each other would be a really um, cognizant way of entering into this practice. Mm-hmm. Um, starting to maybe wrap this uh, th- this conversation up about, uh, you know, what, at least what we started with as excellence fatigue, which I, th- I do think we're, we're circling around. I'm curious, when you stopped the tracking after the couple years, did you do it because it got too expensive, quote unquote expensive? Um, or did you just feel like, okay, I got as much as I was going to get out of this and like it's in me now and it's who I am and I don't have to I don't have to do the checking of the boxes anymore because I've got it. And why the recent shift back to, nope, I've got to actually check the boxes. Yeah. I, um, I got bored with it. It mm-hmm. became too expensive. I didn't think I was getting the bang for the buck. I think I was where a lot of the people that are asking this question, which is like, God, I'm putting all this work in and where's it, where's the payoff? I've done this for three years. I've done this for three years and I have yet to see the fruits of this thing. So I stopped and it was like, um, the wave had yet to reach the beach, Mm. you know? And it wasn't until I look back on it now that I go like, oh my God, that set me up for the next, all of the things I'm doing now that I have available. And, um, like I'm so, I, I can honestly say like, I'm really fulfilled with the life that I'm living right now has a lot to do with those three years of intentionality behind it. Yep. So it was that exact feeling, this excellence fatigue. Like I'm doing those things and it's not paying off. Yep. And um, the other part was like, I got this. Like I, 
I, I know I'm supposed to call my mom. I know I'm supposed to call my dad. I know I'm supposed to be home at six. I know I'm supposed to eat clean. Like I know I'm supposed to get eight hours of sleep a night. Like these things are like, I know all these things. Why am I tracking these? And it's funny. <laughs> what doesn't get measured <laughs> doesn't improve. Starts to slip a little bit. It's just crazy. Like it's what people like when people go off macros, right? Like I got this. I know, and I'm not going to weigh and measure this stuff. It takes so much time and so much effort. Like I know how much six ounces of chicken is. I know what three, you know, two and two ounces of um, broccoli looks like. I know what um, um, how much forty grams of protein looks like in my meal. So like I got this, and you stop weighing, measuring, you stop tracking, and what happens a year later? Yeah, like we're we're not totally on the rails. I don't know how far we've fallen off, but we're not on the rails. Mm -hmm. And my five year from self from now, I know it's gonna be more proud if I'm on the rails. Not perfect. Like the rails are going from Boston to San Francisco. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make purposeful deviations because I don't want to be perfect. I'm gonna make purposeful deviations. I'm gonna stop off in Chicago and have a couple pieces of pizza and then I'm gonna (laughs) Check out the, I'm going to go and visit the game site in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm going to get back on the rails, keep going, and then I'll stop off and check out the Badlands in South Dakota and we'll hop back on the rails, knowing that it's not going to be perfect. It's not supposed to be perfect, but these are the guideposts. These are the things that I'm saying as best to my knowledge right now that are going to lead to a fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to me more important or valuable than doing that. Last last question. The, the going off the rails however you want to categorize it uh, to me it's it sounds a little bit and I've, I've experienced it myself it's kind of like it the process is going back to comfort to a large degree going back to the i don't need to measure this uh, it's close enough right or i don't need to call my mom this week it's fine like but going back to easy comfortable lazy to some degree and is that often the 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 thing we need to be keeping our eye out for is where am i choosing the the overly comfortable option here where I had set myself up to maybe choose the slightly uncomfortable or slightly more expensive decision. And maybe that's where we end up. Uh, I got this. I'm fine. I don't need to, I don't need to measure this. I don't need to worry about this anymore. I got this. So we as human beings are um, calorie preserving machines. Said another way, we're going to default lazy. That's just like, that's what we are. We're going to default to sit on the couch, Netflix and chill. That's what, that's the way we're set up. Um, We're going to, if, if, if we're not conscious about it, we're going to choose the ice cream over the broccoli. Like it tastes better. Like, yeah, it's like peanut butter flavored Oreo ice cream is dope. Like, yes. (laughs) What it means is that you have to have, to me, it's three things. Awareness, intentionality, and perspective. Mm. And when you bring those things in, awareness, like in the present moment, what am I doing right now? Awareness. What is it that I want my life to stand for? Awareness. What are the things that are meaningful to me? Perspective. Yeah, I know I want the Oreo ice cream right now, but perspective. Tomorrow morning, how am I going to feel about that? Yep. And intentionality. You have to meaningfully do it. You have to have, it's not about, you have to bring so much intention. It's not just going to happen on its own. We are, we are 
if you don't, you're going to be the, the leaf blowing in the wind and you're just going to let life take over and you're going to have no control over the outcome of your life. You need to do life intentionally. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's a good place to wrap up. Thank you, my friend. Thank you to everybody out there who sends us good questions, who leads ratings and reviews. If you know anybody who might like this show, do share it with them. And we will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.